you're traveling through another dimension, a dimension of not only sight and sound, but hot takes and tweets of the week. A journey into a wondrous land of UCF football, whose boundaries are that of imagination or the college football playoff committee. There's a signpost up ahead. Your next stop is the Pegasus Podcast 100th Episode Spectacular. This week, we celebrate the space game. The night's 100th game at the Bounce House. The unveiling of Bright House Network Stadium here in Orlando. It's Texas, the sixth-ranked Longhorns, taking on the UCF Knights. And the 100th episode of the Mikey Keene Hype Machine. Uh, I mean, the Pegasus Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Bailey, 25 times 4, Adams, and Christian, the C stands for 100 in Roman numerals, Simmons. Welcome into episode 100. Be sure you're following us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at Simmons, and at Night Sports Now. 100 episodes of the Pegasus podcast, as you already know by our tweets, by our probably obnoxiously long intro. With episode 100, and we're feeling pretty good about it. This is going to be the most self-serving podcast we've ever done. It's it's well, great. We're just going yeah. to celebrate ourselves. That's a lie. We're also going to preview the yeah. space game. <laughs> I mean, if you look at what we're doing here, it's like the allotted time to talk about ourselves is not very long. We're talking things we missed from SMU still. We're previewing Temple. and But we're going to start with a little bit of ourselves, because I think one of my favorite moments on the podcast was when I just told everyone this was this is a vanity project for me. That was that, like a thing that I said on the podcast. such a running joke between us since you said on the podcast. I forget <laughs> what I even said. I said some of our listeners don't care about whatever. And you were like, yeah. well, this is just my personal vanity project. <laughs> and you said that again because Bailey and I had a discussion because earlier this week, Bailey was like, do we want to talk about it being our 100th on the podcast? And I was like, I don't know how many people like care about it being our 100th. And you were like, <laughs> you forgot. This is my personal vanity project. We're going to talk about it being our 100th. So welcome listeners to the yeah. 100th episode. I never thought we would make 100 to be totally honest. No, I didn't either yeah i didn't i wasn't sure i wasn't sure we well i don't know once we started it so we started it january of 2021 which feels like ages ago yeah you see i've had a different coach and ad yeah wasn't the case by episode three of the pegasus (laughs) podcast yeah but it was just it's weird to think about because like i don't know what i expected or how long i expected it to last but i didn't think we'd get to 100 episodes no i well i was just curious because i'll i'll never forget uh because one of the first people i told other than us two that we were starting the podcast was trace trilco and i was like yeah bailey and i are starting a ucf podcast and he was like oh that's definitely a niche that no one's uh no <laughs> very one's, original no one, no one's done. like yeah very original and i'm like yeah and that was my main thing was i was like are people really going to listen to this because there's like 45 ucf podcasts but people have listened and it's been a ton of fun and i'm glad it, that we're sticking with it it has been a lot of fun i kind of maybe thought like we make it through a season and like in last season and then be like done and we just kind of kept doing it like there's been no talks at any point we're like i'm getting tired of this because it is it's fun every week like it is I, fun. I, I mean, my whole thing to... from the start was the only way I was going to stop doing it is if like, I was like, I don't want to spend so much time doing this if just no one's going to listen to it. So like, as yeah. long as people are there to listen, I'm fine. to keep doing it. So. Yeah. No, I mean, I look forward to to each week hopping on the zoom here and talking about our different UCF musings. I, I think we've had some like things that I wouldn't have experienced otherwise because of this podcast, like thinking back last year to some of the late night podcasts we did, like the Boise State one where yeah that was a weird enough game to begin with where it ended like just before 2 a.m but because of that like just the I just the fact that I have that night of like game ended at 2 a.m we did the podcast until like 3 30 in the morning I think I think it got posted at 3 30 I was asleep maybe by like 4 a.m and it's just like things like that where like at the time I didn't I wasn't thinking like oh this is gonna be a great memory but looking back, I'm like, oh, it's been fun. Cool. We've done, yeah. I've been trying to quietly eat a McDouble in a Tampa hotel as we break down the <laughs> Gasparilla Bowl. We've been sadly in an Airbnb at two in the morning, breaking down the Louisville game. It's been, we've, we've had our yeah. adventures. We've learned more about the city of Shreveport than I ever could have imagined going into doing this. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a hoot. I can't, I mean, that's the thing is if it's, it's fun to like kind of interact with people on Twitter too, like who have li- been listening to us for different like variations of time. Like somebody like there will be people that remember that Shreveport thing and other people will be like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's it's funny because different inside jokes. You can tell who's listened for a long time. Because we've pretty steadily grown. Like the only like really big jump we saw was like earlier this summer. I still don't really know why that of all times was when we grew a lot. But the Shreveport thing is like that's if you if you're listening, you know about Shreveport. You're like an old school listener. We appreciate (laughs) you. Thank you for still being here. I, I 
I uh, fully give you permission to gatekeep our podcast if you've been listening for that long. Yeah, call other people out. We don't want to grow at all. <laughs> if anyone tweets like, oh, I'm listening to Pegasus podcast for the first time, go off on them and be like, well, I've been here since January of 2021. <laughs> Gosh, we've, yeah, we've had we've had a time on this podcast and it's been it's been a good time. We're here at 100 episodes. I don't know if there's really anything else to say. I just want to say no one more like... thing before we actually like talk about what all of you are here to listen for. Those of you who haven't just skipped through this. Um, I, <laughs> I want listeners opinion on this and feel free to tweet us because I'm curious. So our name is the Pegasus podcast. That was one of five names we came up with. And I'm curious if you guys think we picked the right one. So I'm going to give you the five names that Bailey and I had before we settled on Pegasus podcast. So the first one, which is really, really creative, was the Night Sports Now podcast, which was certainly creative. That's, you know, the site that we found and we were at UCF and still right for. Um, so really good there. I, I hated this one, but you liked it. The Canaveral Blue podcast. I did like that one. I still I like that. it. I like the Pegasus podcast better, but I do like the Canaveral Blue podcast. Well, my main thing was like, I think UCF like owns that term. Like, I don't think we can just be like, nah. you know. Uh, the Space U podcast, also a term that I believe UCF like either owns or tries to own. Probably. Um, and then this was mine that I really liked. If you didn't like it, was the Nighttime podcast with a K instead of a you know a K on yeah. night. And then your, I think uh, your issue with that was like, does that mean we always have to record at night? And I was like, <laughs> no, I don't think so. Well, I think that probably would be my issue with that was because I just that was a thought I just had. I was like, wouldn't that mean like all of our episodes would be like late at night? Should that we do have the late? Should night we pods. have called the late night pods the nighttime pods? Was that a missed opportunity? No, I don't. I don't think so because I feel like. Other people like I know there's the night shift, and I know like the um the Ben Rat guys do the night shift, and I know there's like different variations of it. I'm fine just doing our late night pods. Well, I don't know. There you go, guys. If you think any of those names are better than Pegasus Podcast, you're wrong. But let us know. <laughs> it's just it's. I think it was one that I heard with Pegasus Podcast, and I was like, yeah, that just sounds good. Sounds right. I like alliterative names. I don't, I definitely... you know, I don't think it was like I don't think there was a long process after like I think it was your dad was the one who who my dad came up, came up with, with Pegasus Podcast, and he's the one really who... good with it. Good does our stuff. intros and is just it's all very very thankful for all of that i think my dad may um, have come up with the name night sports now too when we found a night sports now five years ago possible <laughs> i don't really remember honestly it feels like a lifetime ago um but okay yeah let's i think that was enough of ourselves probably i don't know maybe it wasn't let us know we'll we'll do more about ourselves <laughs> on future pop future episodes this is a vanity project no so. we won't um hey don't say that we might um i might just do it on my own i'll go rogue um, but we'll jump in here to some of the things we missed from the SMU game, which I, I, time is a weird construct, isn't it? Sure. Because that feels like, so we're recording this on Monday evening and that was last Wednesday, but it just, fe- it doesn't feel like it was last. It doesn't, it feels like way more than a week ago. It feels like a why. really long time ago. In my head, it feels like it was before the hurricane, which makes no sense, but that is kind of how it feels. Yeah. I don't, I don't really know why, but um, I mean, we covered a lot on that. I think that was one of our longer late night episodes um yeah because it was because it, it, it was optimistic it wasn't one of those where we were like all right let's just say these things we got to get out of here i don't want to talk about this game anymore it was like i could talk about this game for a while and we did um so not a ton to to jump through here one thing i don't think we we talked enough about and this was something you brought up to me was they could have been a closer game especially earlier on if smu could smu kind of as good as, as well as ucf defense played smu kind of shot itself in the foot with some of the drops they had and some of the missed opportunities so, I mean, there's, there's a silver, like a, I don't know if that's a silver lining, but there's like a caveat there to the way the defense played. Yeah. Still that, like... that was kind of, so I rewatched the game on Sunday, I think it was. And that stood out to me a lot more because that's the thing that you just don't necessarily, like you don't necessarily notice trends when you're watching a game for the first time. Cause you're not going to like, you don't see something happen once and you're like, that's going to be a trend. You're just watching the game. <laughs> and SMU had like three or four critical situations on offense where they just had an awful drop. There was one of them. It was a key third down conversion attempt and they got their guy after Mordecai danced around and it was a perfect pass lofted to him and he just dropped it. And I kind of just want to throw the caveat of as I guess caveat is the right word because it's what came to my mind is as good as the defense played and as excited I am for what the defense is going to do. Like, it's not like they are gods. Like there were definitely things that SMU could have done to make that. I think I talked about this a lot with you off the air is I think one thing that we and a lot of media all over the country get bad in the habit of is like everything is from your team's perspective, obviously. But like, you notice that when you're covering a game, like it's like when UCF is playing well, it's never, Oh, SMU is good. It's wow. You are, or SMU is bad. It's UCF is playing well right now. Or UCF is playing bad. UCF did this. UCF didn't do that. 
I noticed that because in the press box, there were some SMU media sitting near me and it was like hearing them talk about the game. It was just a complete, like their whole thing was, wow, Mordecai is like missing his throws or like, and I'm just, so <laughs> I'm just trying to be a little more cognizant of like, you know, it's not always from UCS perspective and SMU could have done things to make the game closer. And they did. Yeah. Nice. And then, so the caveat to the caveat is a stat that I think it was Jason Beattie from the Orlando Sentinel that tweeted it, uh, was that Tanner Mordecai, UCF held him without a touchdown pass for the first time since Halloween 2020. And that broke a 17 game streak of him throwing at least one touchdown pass. So that's, that's the caveat to the caveat is like, yeah, they, they missed a very good quarterback, but they still, yeah. I mean, he's, I still think he's probably one of the best in the conference, if not the best in the conference. Dude, after this weekend, I'm all, I'm completely back on the, the Tulane train. That's another thing. If you guys are longer listeners, you know, last year I was obsessed with Tulane and then they went two and 10, but Michael Pratt is fantastic. I might put Michael Pratt. He had some just stupid throws against East Michael Carolina. Pratt's up there. Clayton Toon is like I'm up not there putting some Clayton weeks. He's up there. up there some weeks. He's up there. He's not up there other weeks. Coming into the season, I thought he was. This year has just been a weird one for Houston. But Gary Bohannon was on a preseason watch list, so you got to throw him in there. Hey, is he, it Gary Bohannon or Gary Bohannon? We still haven't figured that out. It's another long running thing. Bohannon was on a preseason watch list, so uh, um, which me obviously means he's great. And he went. He was from Baylor, so yeah. You and know. Holt Naylor's dad is the PA announcer, so that doesn't count <laughs> for something too. I mean, Holt Naylor has been in college for thirteen years. Um. But yeah, no, I mean, Mordecai, Mordecai is one of the best in the conference, if not the best up there with Michael Pratt and Holt Naylor's dad and everybody. Um, but, but no, it was, it was a great job by UCF's defense uh, on the whole. Um, one of the other things kind of, it's like, it's one of those things that you probably won't normally touch on in a post-game podcast because it might not stick in your head like immediately, but UCF's punting strategy was actually like, it played out to perfection on last Wednesday. Yeah, Osteen's back Wednesday. in the fold. And it was weird because like, I just kind of had forgotten that like, it wasn't really a true switch that UCF made. Cause even at the time when they put in Mitch McCarthy, it was like, um, he, I think Gus had even said like, Oh yeah. Osteen, like he's still going to, going to like make a difference yeah. for us. And I was like, eh, I don't know. No, UCF like has thing. situational punters, which is, I don't know if they're, <laughs> I, I can't imagine there's a long list of teams that have that, but that's very much what they have. And that sounds stupid, but it's working. It's working really well. Osteen, Osteen penned him like twice, didn't he? Yeah. The thing about Osteen is he's not the guy who can hammer a ball like 60 yards down the field, you know, but he is a guy who he can put some air on it and really give you a chance to like, you know, nail that spot on the field. So having two punters that can kind of different things, it it weirdly works. (laughs) It does. Yeah. I mean, I think he had one of them bounce and they downed it. I think, I think he had another one go out of bounds, like like the four yard line or something like that. And yeah, it's, it was funny to, to kind of see the way that played out in a game. Um, because McCarthy is the guy who's probably gonna come out there and try to give you 40, 45 yard punts and hopefully flip the field. Whereas uh, Osteen's going to try to pin them deep. So we'll see how that continues to play out. And then another thing that seems to be working well for UCF, um, I mean, not this like a major thing, but the backup quarterback situation, because we've seen now for three games, whenever they've had to bring in a backup or not had to bring in, but whenever they've brought in a backup at the end of a blowout, it's been Thomas Castellanos. And of course there's the four, red shirt or the four game rule as far as you want to keep your red shirt and I think it's going to play out like and I don't know if this I'm sure this is probably by design but we don't know for sure for a fact but Temple would probably be a game where you would you would maybe expect to have your backup ended late so maybe the Temple game is the fourth one for Castellanos and then you have ECU and Cincinnati who probably aren't games where you're going to see your backup unless there's an injury Um, and then after Cincinnati is Memphis you're probably not going to see a backup in Memphis maybe not even Tulane. So like at this point, it's like you're getting toward the end of the season and you've already, you've still used Castellanos in just the four games and there's only a handful of games left where if Mikey Keene needs to come in as a backup at any point, he can without burning his red shirt. I am so curious like, if Mikey, I'm curious if Mikey will come in at all because I'm a little curious about those later games because you're right. I mean, it's like the wink wink obvious thing here is that Mikey Keene is redshirting because I mean he hasn't left yet or like not been with the team because he knows that you know whenever you're a backup quarterback you're a second away from you know you're one bad play away from being in the game just like he was last year and I know some people have kind of like misconstrued this a little bit Tommy is the backup if John Rice Pumley God forbid got hurt against Temple Mikey would be the quarterback Mikey would come at that point um, but I do think from Mikey's perspective like I don't know if we will ever see him on mop-up duty because you can still get hurt in mop-up duty and I don't know if that's something that Mikey's willing to do. I don't know if he's willing to come in as that guy. Um, and it's a bit of a conundrum because I also don't think John Rice is a guy you ever want out there in garbage time because he just refuses to not get tackled. Like we have yeah. seen, like we saw against SD, the game is completely away and he's still doing risky things. So 
I don't know. It's interesting, but they've managed it very well so far, for sure. That's where this thought was kind of born from was like, you probably don't want to keep him out there. And if it gets to a point where if Mikey isn't that guy that you want to put out in red sh- uh, in mop up duty and Tommy's already red shirted, I mean, what are, what are your options really? Like, unless you don't really care and you, you'll burn Tommy's red shirt, but I don't I feel like burning, they want to do that. I, I, I do think the red shirt burning doesn't matter as much as it used to. Yeah. Um, but I still think that would be stupid, especially because you look at Tommy and we are way ahead of ourselves here. Let me like be clear about that. But say that Tommy wins the job next year and turns out to be as good as UCF hopes he is. And he's the guy Tommy's like five ten or something. I mean, he, he's not a quarterback who's going to go to the NFL and he is the type of guy where it's like, do you want to have burnt a red shirt for him to basically play in garbage time when he, he it's not like he's a guy that's going to take off for the league. I mean, he could be a four-year starter if he pans out, you know? And it's the thing too, where like, the garbage time yeah i know he's getting snaps but he's not doing enough in garbage time to like really say oh yeah he's getting valuable experience like no yeah he's getting not. into games but he's not really like he doesn't have enough to do i think he's throwing like, like three passes yeah and so there's not enough it, it's it's a weird situation it's like I, I would imagine yeah you want to keep him red shirted and you probably want to honor if there's been some kind of deal with mikey you want to give him his eligibility his extra year of eligibility not you know use him up in games that don't really matter so i am curious because the one thing the one thing ucf hasn't had this year and we'll see if they have it at all because i just don't know if they're built this way but like those some of those 2017 2018 games were like you would see the backup like as early as late in the third quarter like we haven't had a situation where i think the earliest the back like tommy's come in has probably been like eight minutes left in the game something like that yeah and i think the earliest we would have seen like because i think it was the south carolina state game where it was like Gus wasn't happy with how the starters played for yeah. a lot of it. So he kept them in for longer. Like that was the kind of the game where you expected to see Tommy maybe play in the third quarter. And I don't necessarily know if there is a game on the schedule where that's an issue you'd run into. Cause that is a little different. Like, like having Tommy basically, you know, run some basic plays, a couple handoffs to, you know, milk a few minutes off the clock is different than, okay, we've got more than a quarter of the game left here. We're going to have to actually run some stuff, you know? Yeah. I don't know if there's a game on the schedule where that's a problem, but I am curious what happens there too. Yeah, I mean, I don't really think it is anymore. And I will get into the Temple game here next. And I Temple is that like that kind of team where it's like that's especially last year where you saw UCF beat them 49 to 7 when UCF was decimated with injuries. Like Temple's not even really that kind of team this year. Like Temple's got a pretty solid defense, as we'll get into. So it's not like it could be a blowout late, but I still don't even know if it's if it's late enough to where you're gonna even bring in Tommy or or any of your backups. Like it's I'm slightly worried about Temple. And we'll get into why here. And I want to be clear that I'm not worried UCF is going to lose to Temple. I don't think that that's a thing that's possible at this point. It's more, you know, with, we'll get into it with some of these stats. But I mean, we, we've talked a lot about how good the offense looked against um, SMU. And that, you know, this, is, half. this isn't this, this isn't the first time we've gone through this where, you know, we're like, oh, never mind. The offense is great. I mean, the offense has gone up and down. Great game against SC State, awful against Louisville, great against FAU rough against Georgia Tech but still enough to get it done and then great against SMU in the second half and the thing is SMU I almost feel like we like typical late night pods for us we always either get too high or too low I feel like we almost got a little too high on the offense because the the issue the offense has had all season it's not been oh the offense isn't good it's been the offense is not consistently good they go through these ups and downs and them going up again doesn't necessarily prove that they found consistency and temple might be like a bit tougher of a defense than I think the average fans are realizing. I don't think this is like a cakewalk game for the offense. I don't think so either. It's funny. as like, as we're talking about this and we'll get into our score predictions later, like I don't necessarily think it's going to be a close game, but it's not going to be like an easy game. That doesn't really make, that doesn't drive together. Does it? Like, I don't think it's going to be an easy game. I think they're going to win by a decent amount. Um, and I think it has more to do with SMU's offense and how good UCF's defense has been. Um, but Temple, yeah, I mean, it's or Temple. What did I say? SMU. Yeah. So we're doing that again, are we? Um, <laughs> it's not me this time. Yeah, that's true. Um, so I mean, we'll, we can jump into all this now, actually. Um, so UCF coming in at four and one, one and zero in the AAC off their forty-one to nineteen thirteen win over SMU last week, and then Temple's coming in at two and three, zero and one in the AAC. They were off last week. Their last time out, they lost twenty-four to three at memphis and that was a game that was one that's like zero to zero at halftime or something like that yeah Memf- zero uh, memphis Mem- i forgot the first m on memphis memphis didn't score any points until late in that game because i watched a good chunk of it and they did not look good yeah um so i mean you can see kind of by that temple temple's got a defense temple's been a program that's kind of been about defense for a while now um so this is kind of this opportunity for ucf to show that it can find some consistency finally 
like you said, I mean, it's been one game off, one game on, one game off, one game on for the offense. The defense, I think, more or less has been, you know, defense top notch all consistent. year. But that's so, why I think this game is so critical because, I, I mean, it, like, I, I want to be clear, like, football is in a lot of ways very much a mental game, especially college football, because you're talking about a bunch of 18 to 22 year olds. And if UCF, regardless of the caliber of opponent, if UCF can just prove to themselves that the offense can look really good two games in a row that they can go out there and break the streak of going up and down, that they can go up against a defense that isn't bad and yeah. look good. I feel like that can make them, that can help them to have the confidence to play much better for the rest of the season. I do think there's something to that. Yeah. And I think that makes it mean that much more. It just means more um, that it's Temple is a good defense. And so if the offense can come out and, and continue to build on some of the stuff it did in the second half against SMU, it will start to feel like, okay, we we're doing this a little bit more now. And, we've kind of found ourselves as an offense because it really did. I think we talked about it on the late night pod. I was feeling for like for the first time in a while that it felt like a UCF offense, like the, yeah. the kind of the, the kind they were kind of getting used to where like, it was just like, they were just pouring on points at the end of the game. It um, just felt less like, Oh, they're out talenting a team than Oh, they've actually figured some stuff out here. And that's not to say SMU's defense isn't bad because it is, but we even talked to, I mean, I mean, I, I just, that was the first time I had real faith. Like even after FAU, I didn't really have faith. Obviously yeah. I didn't have faith after SEC an FCS opponent. This was a game where I'm like, okay, if they can play the way they did in that second half, and I understand, as I said, late night, a lot of that is what SMU is giving them, and not every team is going to give you that. But it felt like they'd unlock some stuff on how to properly use JRP, how to get the receivers involved in a way that JRP could actually take advantage of um, the running game, except for the stupid trickeration, which whatever, we'll just put a pin in that forever. It just felt like they were using everyone in the best way. And that gave me more faith than some past games of the season. Yeah, and what I think what it felt like when I'm saying like it felt more like a UCF offense is that like every for almost every touchdown for most of the season it just felt like UCF had to work so hard to score yeah. a touchdown. Yeah, and then toward the end of that game against SMU, like they were just coming easy, like they were breaking off big plays, they were getting down the field and with much like much more ease, and it just felt good again for to watch a UCF offense because it had just felt like such a struggle for a while, and you know it it's very well could come back out against Temple. And have that have those same struggles. I mean, Temple's a good defense, as I'm saying, and and UCF maybe ha- it, it they could show us that they haven't found what they're doing, and it's still the same off one week on another week. And this is technically as we're going by the schedule, this is a week for them the offense to be bad again. So they That's need right. to break that. They need we to break. Had, it. We had Heisman JRP last week. Now we're back to really bad JRP. We talked. We broke this down a few weeks ago. So it, we did. It, JRP actually matches up good and bad JRP perfectly until Cincinnati or it gets dicey. So yeah, I mean, we, we, can, we had uh, said. We had said back then that if he's even if he's bad against Temple, you can still get by just because of how good your defense is and you can score enough points to beat Temple. Um, but I mean, as we kind of we'll we'll dive into some of the stats here now. Like Temple isn't as bad as they were last year. They're definitely like kind of building something under new coaching staff. Um, we'll get into the first key stat, and that's that of three three of their five opponents have thrown for under 100 yards, which I mean that says a lot about the defense right there. I mean, college football is such a pass happy thing. Like you'll see guys go out there, wake up, roll out of bed and throw for 300 yards. It seems like, and Temple's not giving up a lot of passing yards. If that stat doesn't say JRP is going to feast. I don't know what does. I mean, <laughs> I, yeah. I, and the, the giant caveat to throw here is Temple has not played a good schedule so oh, far this season. Their games horrible. have come against Duke Lafayette, which apparently is a real school uh Rutgers UMass and Memphis so Duke's actually good this year which is like well not good but not bad um but the rest of that schedule is rough so you know that's the giant caveat but this is a game where and that's why I'm like I'm more worried about fan base perception and fan base reaction than I am the actual result because this just strikes me and I I could easily be wrong because Temple's not good and maybe the offense really did figure things out last game but this could easily be a game where UCF's offense isn't it, it could look like Georgia Tech a little bit not so much, not so much in the actual style of play, but in the final score. And I do wonder if at that point, some of the fan base freaks out again, you know, which I'm it's not possible. saying, because I don't think the average UCF fan, unless I've dramatically misread social media, I, I don't think the average UCF fan realizes that while Temple is horrible, their defense actually is pretty okay. It, yeah. The, the offense, the defense is going to have an awesome night. The offense is not, is going to have to actually work for its points. And I don't know how many fans realize that. I mean, you look at some of these, some of these stats and some of the, the things that the temple defense is doing. I mean, they're third and third down defense in the, in the country. I think they're top 10 or top five in points per game allowed again, with the caveat that they played a really bad schedule where I think UCF has a little bit more. And, and this was kind of what they did against Georgia tech. Cause they realized a little bit like, Hey, Georgia tech can't stop the run. So let's run the ball. What did they run the ball like 54 times or something like that? Something ridiculous. Um, like that. 
but so and these are the passing yards allowed by game um and then the, also the rushing yards so against duke it was probably this was obviously their worst game for temple they gave up 328 passing yards and 172 rushing yards against lafayette again this I, when i was like oh that's like because then university of louisiana used to be louisiana lafayette yes and so this is a different this isn't university of louisiana this is lafayette uh and they had 83 passing yards and 27 rushing yards so i mean take that for what you will against Rutgers Rutgers only had 59 passing yards but they ran for 142 and they won that game 16 to 14 you know what's then, crazy what Lafayette is in Pennsylvania I didn't know that that's not what I would have guessed for a school no Lafayette. I just I, assumed I it was know. another small school in Louisiana but does Lafayette like does the term Lafayette have anything to do with Louisiana or am I just thinking that because of Louisiana Lafayette I don't know I was thinking the same thing though, because I was just, I guess that's Lafayette is French and there's a lot of like French stuff in New Orleans or in uh, Louisiana, right? Yeah. There also might be in Pennsylvania, I I think. Um, As far as I know, Lafayette's just a Hamilton character. So UMass um, threw for 80 yards, but ran for 179. And then Memphis threw for 195 and ran for 136. Like their rush defense is a little bit more. Um, they give up a little bit more on the ground, but the pass defense, and I don't know whether that's, you know, it is some of it's their pass rush, which we get onto, but they're, they're secondary. It's, it's on the whole, not, they're not giving up a lot of passing yards. No. And as we've seen from time to time this season, sometimes UCF just can't get it done through the air. So that kind of does give you a little bit of pause. I think coming into this game. And if they're able to do what they did against um, whoever they play last week, SMU, sorry, my brain just shorted out there for a (laughs) second and, you know, get the ball to the receivers, not too far up the field and let the receivers work that can work. But I mean, I think, and I know y'all are going to get mad at me because, you know, whenever I say even one remotely negative thing about JRP, you guys freak out, but we've established through five games that JRP cannot even close to reliably throw the ball downfield. That's fine. But if you end up in a situation where a team's giving you that and trying to force you to do that, I don't think UCF can be successful doing that. And I think that's where defenses can hurt them. So that's what you do have to avoid. Yeah. And there is something to be said, I think about the way they've kind of at times taken what the defense has given them more or less like against Georgia Tech it was like okay we know we're gonna be able to run the ball so they ran the ball as much as they did last week they made that adjustment where hey they're giving us the middle of the field so we'll run these slants and we'll we'll get it done that way Temple may not give you a lot in the passing game maybe they're gonna have to rely on the ground game to get it done but I think you're gonna need you're in most games you're gonna have to be able to throw the ball at least decently well to come out with a win yeah, you can't have another UCF's not going to win a whole lot of games with the 49 yard passing performance we saw against Georgia Tech. They got lucky there because of how bad Georgia Tech is, but you can't <laughs> see a repeat of that. You can't. Yeah. Um, I also what, just wonder because, like, you look at some of these scores, like UCF more than a few times this year has, like, basically taken a tight game in a halftime and then ran away with it. I think they were up two on FAU. Is that right? And they were down three on SMU. And I'm looking at Temple's game, and that's kind of how some of their games have played out. At halftime of the Memphis game, it was Temple three, Memphis zero. And yeah. so I would just caution fans to, if it's a tight game at halftime, to not flip out because UCF is probably going to just run away with it in the second half. But be 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 aware that that might occur. Yeah, and part of the reason they are able to run away with some of these games in the second half is their defense. Let's we'll get on to the next stat: is UCF has allowed 29 second half points this season, which averages out to 5.8 per game. It's pretty um, freaking good. That is good, and it, it makes sense. Like it's when you put it that way, it sounds kind of crazy, but when you look at the game by game, yeah, it checks out. I mean, even the game they lost, they didn't give up a ton in the second half. It was all due to the offense not being able to put up any points. And I would point out that on top of UCF allowing 5.8 points in the second half of games this season, Temple is scoring 7.4 points in the second half of games this season. So I feel like there's a good chance of Temple just not scoring in the second half, which is nice. Yeah. This is definitely a game that the defense is going to win for UCF. I mean, we'll see what the offense looks like and hopefully it looks good again so we can relax about the consistency issues. But like, this is a game that like the reason I'm not worried about this game is because Temple's offense is really, really bad and UCF's defense is really, really good. And it is pretty damn rare to see a situation where the really, really bad offense wins that matchup. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it is going to be interesting in that way because both the teams coming in have the strength that it is, you know, their their defense have been, uh, defenses have been carrying them, but UCF what can make this such an easy like breezy night or could make this an easy breezy night is if the offense decides hey we found something last week and this is the kind of offense we are now and and can actually do some move the ball and score some points against a tough temple defense then you'll get kind of more of a comfortable win that I feel like a lot of most people are expecting so this is what worries me is I feel like if I and we'll get into score predictions obviously but I feel like if I asked the average Twitter fan like what's the score of this game going to be they would be like UCF is back 56 to three, something like that. And I'm like, I feel like I, it, mm, 
what do I want to say that people will throw at me after this podcast? I don't think the offense is going to hit 40. And I don't think that that's because the offense is bad. I don't even think that means that the offense had a bad night or went back to being inconsistent. I think it's no. just that Temple's defense isn't as bad as people think. And I also think UCF doesn't have to score that many points to win this game comfortably. Sounds like we're aligning. We we, we tend, I mean, we didn't last week because I picked SMU to win, but we, sent, we tend to align with our score predictions a lot. And it sounds that like we're trending in that direction again. Which it's funny because we were, I feel like we said. were a lot more different last year. Like, I feel like we had a few podcasts where we just had fundamentally different thoughts on games. And this year it feels like we've lined up for the most part. It feels, it's, I think in, in some ways it's like last year, maybe we were at odds with, with some of the things, like the way we viewed things. But this year you and I have like, it's like in a movie, like we're like the two kind of opposites, like kind of just team up and are like <laughs> back, back to back, like shooting in different directions at like everyone who's trying to attack them. Cause it feels like the fan base is like more or less disagrees with us a lot. <laughs> it just feels like everybody's so happy go lucky where it's like oh everything's fine like UCF's they're, they're good they just the quarterback's good and there's nothing wrong with UCF as a team at all yeah that and, joke's been gone for years I mean I, I know we talked on some late night I'm still laughing at that like all of last year I just anytime we post an episode or I tweet at people like Christian is such a homer like he will never say a bad <laughs> thing you see about UCF and then because I felt good about where things were last year I felt like forgiven the injuries the team had I thought they were playing as best as they could and I thought nine wins was remarkably impressive given the injuries then this year, uh, the offense has been underachieving and John yeah. F. Pumley has struggled. And now it's, oh my God, Christian never has a nice thing to say about UCF. He has an anti-JRP agenda, blah, blah, blah. It's like, <laughs> guys, you got to pick. Like, I'm one or the other. Like, you know, figure it out, please, for my sake. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, we'll jump back to the Temple defense here for this other stat, the third stat. Um, and that is Temple's averaging four sacks per game, which is tied with USC for the highest average, number one in the country. They're not going to get four against UCF. Okay. They're not. UCF has given up four in, in a game once this season. That was against Louisville. Yeah, that didn't surprise me. It was against um, Louisville. Yeah. Um, I don't think, as much as I just said about Temple's defense being good, their D-line doesn't look like it matches up that well to UCF's O-line. UCF's O-line is still kind of, you know, not the strongest unit in the world, but not necessarily catastrophic like it was against a D-line like Louisville. And also, JRP is pretty elusive. He's just, I mean, he's hard to bring down, so... They're not getting four. I'm comfortable. I'm confident saying that. Yeah. And I think, I think it is, it's important to say UCF's offensive line was a concern for me the first two weeks. And I'm still not saying it's the best in the world, but it has improved. It hasn't become the week to week nightmare. I was afraid it was going to be after Louisville. It's definitely not the best line they've ever had in recent years, but they're not making critical game altering mistakes or just not being able to handle opponents. And part of that is UCF hasn't played a good defense since it played Louisville. So we'll see, but you know, yeah temple still not getting four sacks they gave up two to sc state four to louisville one to fau two to georgia tech and one to smu yeah um and sometimes some of those are not even really on the offensive line it's just jrp is he has good escapability but sometimes he just can't find anyone downfield or he can't kind of get out of the pocket completely and it's the sacks yeah, on him there have been quote-unquote sacks where jrp has basically become a runner and he just hasn't gotten all the way out of the pocket yet. yeah yeah so yeah, those those are the ones that I think have been more frequent, I think, than just flat out the offensive line game being beaten. So, yeah, that's a that's a, kind of the interesting thing to look at this matchup because he is he's so he's so mobile and can't avoid sacks. So, yeah, I wouldn't say that they're going to hit that four either. I don't think and I don't think it's out of their own possibility, of course, but I wouldn't be surprised if UCF's offensive line held up pretty well. Um so that was that was kind of like a bonus prediction from you, but it, it's not going to count toward the record or anything. But you want to get into predictions now? Now I wonder if I should just make it one of my predictions. Should I go all in on that? If you want. I mean, if you want to all ditch right. one of your other ones, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, there's one I didn't like. So I'll ditch okay. it. And then I'll be annoyed if that one hits and this one doesn't. All right. My first prediction is that Temple will not have four records. Sacks. Records. You're six and nine. Or no, I'm six and nine. You're five and ten. I appreciate you trying to give me the better record for a second there. But yes. No. Last I year, just... last year you were terrible and I was like, okay. And now we're just both sort of bad. So we're just. Or kind of average. I'm okay with five and ten from where I started. I started yeah. like one and five or something. So I tend to go like one and two every week. So it's just kind of yeah. All right, it's fine. Like I don't know. I, I don't feel like I did last year. Last year I just felt like I couldn't get one right. Um, so your first one was UCF will not allow four sacks. That is correct. Okay, so we're just gonna jump right over to mine then. Um, uh, sure. Mine is kind of up that alley. Not entirely but a little bit we didn't see jrp run the ball very much last week um and i think it's going to change a little bit this week with maybe some of the the need to escape the pocket and create some some gains 
Uh, I have JRP rushing for at least 50 yards, which I know is not like a ton. He's rushed. For I was going to say that's not a hundred, but I don't know. Cause I was wondering he's broken that in all but one game. Hasn't he? Yeah. But I was wondering, cause last week the offense looked the best that it has all year, I would say. Yep. And it was, it was not through him using his legs. And I don't mean, it's not to say that he's never going to do that again, but I, I wonder if it's going to be a little less of that. If like, that's the kind of stuff they stick to. I don't really know. Cause it's well, just game to game thing. I mean, UCF doesn't have a ton of just straight up like draw plays, you know? I mean, a lot of the times JRP is picking up yards on a play that didn't work out. So I guess when like the offense is working better, you're seeing fewer JRP runs. So, yeah, you know, I just, we'll, I, we'll see, but I feel like that's a pretty safe bet that he's going to hit 50. That doesn't feel like that high of a mark. It shouldn't be, but you know, we'll see. Um, we'll get to your second prediction. Uh, my second prediction is that Isaiah Bowser will score his 10th touchdown of the season. Um, Isaiah Bowser is at eight currently, and uh, UCF has um, more or less gone for the very effective red zone offense strategy of once they're in the red zone, Isaiah Bowser is now the quarterback and the running back, and uh, <laughs> is just going to get the, like, literally, I, I would love to, I should have looked at the stat, like, as far as red zone scores for UCF this season, have any of them not been Bowser or JRP? Um, I mean, I think there's been a couple, I think, wait, I don't know, maybe not. Maybe not, because it feels so like as the soon as they're within like, like 10 or 15, which I know is a little farther into the red zone, but as soon as it feels like they're 10 or 15, it's basically like this is Bowser's score. Harvey's touchdown run was from outside the red zone, right? I think Against so. FAU? Yeah. You might be right then. Yeah. I don't know. I should have looked that up and had that ready to support my claim. But either way, so I for that to hit, I need Isaiah Bowser to get two touchdowns. I feel like that is very likely, because this also doesn't strike me as a game where oh. UCF, since they can't do it a ton, I don't think they're going to be like, having these quick strike, like 40 yard touchdowns through the ground or through the air. I feel like they're going to be situations where they end up in the red zone. And in those situations, I think it's safe to say that Bowser is going to get it. So basically your, your prediction is that, or, or not your prediction for your prediction to come true is that UCF just needs to get inside the 10 yard line at least twice. Cause the, yes. if that happens twice, they're both going to be Isaiah Bowser touchdowns. I'm basically predicting that UCF will get inside the 10 twice inside the 15 <laughs> really. Yeah. All right. Um, staying on the ground with mine uh, and that's got going with UCF's run defense allowing under 70 rushing yards in this game. Um, I don't remember why I picked the number 70, and it, it just is the number that stuck in my head. But Temple has gone over 70 yards twice this season out of the five games. They ran for 146 against Lafayette and 107 against UMass. And UCS run defense, like, it's it's funny because we've had, like, obviously the red zone defense has been insane. The third down defense is the seventh in the country. I just dropped my Sharpie. Um, and... <laughs> It's, it's on the whole, like you look at UCS defense and it it gets overlooked because it doesn't matter because they don't give up points, but like they're giving up a lot of yards. Like they're 59th uh, in rushing yards allowed per game. They have 137. Um, and I don't know. I just don't see Temple running on them that well. I, it just feels like a game where UCF's defensive line is going to dominate in the trenches and is just going to handle Temple's rushing deck. They don't have like a very good, like, they have two running backs, and I think I should have this up right now myself to support my own claim. I think they're like two leading running rushing back uh, running backs have ran for like 150 something yards each, and what that's an excellent. Not, what an excellent rushing back performance! That's not that's not good in five games. Well, it's um, interesting because UCF's defense, for as good as it's been, and I'm not saying it's this even is worse. Like, their leading rusher has 125 yards, and their second leading rusher has 119. Yeah, that's bad. It's not good. I mean, JRP could get that in a game. Like, that's not <laughs> Um, I, I was going to say something and I forgot. Yeah, so the thing about UCF's defense, I don't mean this as an insult in any way, shape, or form, is like, they haven't really been the type of team where it's like, get you behind the sticks and destroy a drive before it even starts. They're more like, they'll give up chunk plays here and there, but they're just not going to let you in the end zone. So, like, I am curious if that pans out or not. Because I don't like what UCF's defense is doing now. It works, and I'm fine with it. I know that, like, something some folks on Twitter keep like going back to the yardage. And it's like, we've talked about this a million times in this podcast going back two years now. I don't care about yards. I don't care about offensive yards. I don't care about defensive yards. I just care about whether they scored or not. Like that's all that matters. Like for people to be like, Oh, they're going to a lot of yards. doesn't matter. They're the best red zone defense in the country. So well, I don't know if that needs to change, you know, that's why this prediction felt risky is because they are a team that gives up those, some of those trunk runs and like trunk plays and stuff. And sure, I mean, a guy could run for 40 yards on one play and that like is close, gets them very close to the, the mark that I set. But 
I mean, I we've seen multiple times this year, basically, where something like that happens, either a big catch or a guy breaks free and it's like, oh, he picks up like 30, 40 yards and oh, they're at the 23 now. And then just nothing happens for yeah. the rest of the drive. Yeah. So we'll see how that one pans out. That's um, a risky one. I'm very curious how that goes. Yeah, we'll see. Um, your third predict- prediction. My third prediction is that UCF starting defense will get its first shutout of the year. I like the caveat there. Through the starting in there because uh, <laughs> starting listen, I, it's out of my hands once the second and third stringers are in, but I think that UCF starting defense is not going to allow a score of any kind in this game. I don't think like, I don't know. I I, I don't, I always feel weird about predicting and it will get to my score prediction in a second, but I always feel pre- like it's just college football seems to have so much scoring. So like whenever you predict a really low score, you're like, and you, you can look very dumb very quickly if it's like 25 or it's like 28 to 20 in the like first half but it just feels like one of those games like it it, it, they're not going to score a lot of points well the thing about college football and it's why we love it is like you could play the exact same game 10 times and get 10 like wildly different scores i mean yeah and you see that anytime teams play twice in a season the game like rarely if ever works out the exact same way like look at look at like 2017 ucf plays memphis third or fourth week of the season they crush them 40 to 13 get a bunch of turnovers then the conference title game two months later with the same two teams goes to triple overtime like it's just you know, you can predict all you want, but these are college kids and weird stuff's going to happen. <laughs> so two things. One, one. so I, I don't think Stan Drayton is, it's interesting to think if UCF could get a shutout, that'd be great. They only gave up seven points to Temple last year. Um, but I don't think Stan Drayton is going to pull a Rhett Lashley and call two timeouts inside of I don't think so. the last five seconds to score a touchdown. So if we get to like the five, 10 second mark left in the game and the defense hasn't allowed anything, you might feel pretty good just about as a whole, you know, getting a shutout. But the other thing was just a weird thing that I encountered earlier today, because um, this coming Thursday against Temple is UCF's 100th game in the bounce house. And UCF had asked people, like, oh, how many have you been to? And so I was like, oh, let me go back and count and, like, kind of see. So I'm going back through the schedule, and I get to 2017. And this was just a weird – I was on, the, like, footballschedules.com or whatever it is. And it was just – I um, obviously it was an error. But looking at 2017, it had the first M- M- Memphis game. It said – that win 40 to 13 and then in parentheses said double overtime no just so like the idea of like <laughs> that's know, like 40 to 13 and double overtime just is obviously not even possible if you or any of our just... listeners have ever played uh ncaa 14 or 13 or 12 or any of those games you'll you'll occasionally see like when i'm simming games i'll see one like that it's like oh this team won 37 to 17 in overtime and i'm like what <laughs> excuse me yeah that was a weird moment i had there. I was like that's kind of ridiculous i like, guess someone should probably fix that um Okay, we're we're on the we're still on the points thing here. Okay, hold um, on. I'm about to take us on a tangent. A team oh no. could win an overtime game by double digits, right? Yeah. Okay. Wait, because yeah. like, yeah, because say that you're you have the ball first and you score, the other team gets the ball get... and like throws a pick six. Yeah. Okay. Forty yeah, to thirteen might be tough. Couldn't be forty to thirteen at all. It's like the coach just goes, "I enact my double or nothing penalty," <laughs> and you just keep going. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, that was a funny thing to read. Um, my final prediction is that UCF will score more points on Temple than any of Temple's previous opponents this year. It's um, a low bar. They gave up 30 to Duke. They gave up 16 to Rutgers. They gave up 14 to Lafayette, 24 to Memphis, and zero to UMass. So yeah, that is got to be 30. Low bar. They I think they can beat 30. I hope they can. I hope and pray they can beat 30. You would hope. I don't think they're going to like blow past 30, but if they're in the 20s, we may have to have a conversation. <laughs> we yeah, it'll be there will be some dialogue about the UCF offense. Um, but let's get into score predictions. All right. I think we're going to line up here. Sure. Go ahead. Uh, my score prediction, which I texted you earlier and ended up making it my prediction is 35 to seven UCF. Oh, okay. So yeah, I we think are... it's going to be 35 to nothing UCF with like eight minutes to go in the game and then Temple will score. So I don't think UCF's going to destroy them here, but I don't think the defense is really going to let Temple's offense do much of anything. And I think the offense will have an okay day. That's why I felt weird. Like I, I originally had used Temple only scoring seven points and like, I wanted to predict a shutout, wanted to predict like three points, but I was like, I just don't feel comfortable doing that. So I gave each team. So with your score prediction, I gave each team an extra field goal. Oh, so nice. UCF, I go at UCF 38, Temple 10. So we're within the same. It would really annoy me. if It would really annoy me if Temple scores 10. Really? Yeah, and that's stupid. Like that's really dumb because there's a very high chance they do. But I just I mean, isn't that I don't lower know. than UCF season average? Like I don't know why that would be like a. Okay, so part of this here. is I got in like a very mild Twitter spat with Jeff Sharon because he took objection to the idea <laughs> that this was the best UCF defense ever, and he for some reason landed on the 2014 UCF defense, which is the one that gave up almost 40 points to two and ten UConn. 
Um, and I, I just like, I need, I I'm all in on 2022 UCF's defense being the best ever now. So I need him to start stat padding here. We need some good, uh, we need some good scores. So Fair we need enough. to not let Temple I still score like 10's good. No, gotta be single digits. Can't allow like double digits. Like 10 is good. I feel Plus, like then I want to, I want to like put up crazy stats. Like I want to be like through two, you know, you know me, I'm always stat driven. I want to be like UCF's given up 19 points in conference play through multiple games and stuff like that. Like I want to go all in and have fun. I mean, yeah, I, mean, I, I would love for this to be a shout out. I just didn't feel like comfortable predicting a shout out or no i'm the one being dumb like i'm giving myself no room for like i'm literally like temple as long as you're admitting it not going to i didn't say it i didn't say it you did um yeah should we tell the listeners that how much we yelled at each other last week going back to your house before the late night pod that got a little heated i was i'm still so mad at you for that i don't i I almost, I, I'm afraid people aren't going to agree with me. So I almost don't want to say we had an argument saying, about if one of my predictions from last week was right or not. That's why when I went ahead and said the records and I gave you count, I gave you credit for it because whatever, I'm not going to fight you on it anymore. But if we put it out there, I think pe- more people would agree with me. I disagree, but go ahead. Okay. So you're, you know, prediction... I know I'm going to explain it because you're going to, okay. you're going to try right. to, you're going to try to sway the listener. And so I'm are gonna, you, I'm gonna, no, <laughs> so I'm going to give an unbiased, completely fair take I, of, of the two of us. I trust myself more to do that than I trust you. Well, that shows your bias already. Well, now um, my dog's barking. So you got to <laughs> ah, do it. I'm getting the assist from Selena. Um, so if you listened last week, you remember that one of my predictions was that RJ Harvey would see a bigger and earlier role with UCF. And I credited myself as getting that prediction right because RJ Harvey got his first ever first half snap and he led the team in rushing yards. And Bailey was upset because Bailey says that technically <laughs> he didn't get any more carries than he has in past he games. Got, he got his lowest carry total of the of the three games that he's played in. He got his lowest carry total of the three. And, and his like, most and then, yards. Or yeah, but that's, I'm, then that argument was And he was used earlier than ever before. That's, yeah, that's fair. Okay, fair. what is used more? Is it carries or is it snap count? Both, I guess. I don't know. Okay, well, what there was you a, go. What was a snap count? I don't, I don't know, know. Do we, but it was yeah, probably you more. Know. You just want to get off the carries thing. Because, no, it actually yeah, might have been more because he hung out as the running back on a couple of those drives where out. they were throwing <laughs> <laughs> Well, he was doing things on the field. I don't no. know why I phrased that. Like what I was, what I was passing the ball, the running back just like sips on a cocktail and watches it happen. But what made me think I was going crazy was you trying to tell me that product, like the yards that he produced being more meant that he was used more. And I was like, no, he just did more. With no, the, I, like the, my, the my prediction was twofold. I said he would be used earlier and more and him getting his first ever first half snap and leading the team it's in earlier. rushing implies a larger role it's just it's, i think that they ran plays for him with more potential than they did in past games <laughs> okay then we're getting into like the weirdest <laughs> like i don't know who who's even going to grade that so let's just i think he got johnny's reps and i think that counts I, as a bigger role i don't know what happened to johnny richardson in the last game um all right let's jump into the football news i i i'm less i have to say one more thing now. everyone on twitter go tell us what who's right because i'm well, still I'm, this got so heated in the car on the way. I'm less mad at you now because like you're acting more level-headed about it that we're having the conversation now. You were like screaming at me and I could not believe like the, I was just the, upset. the way, I don't know, just the way that you were defending. I was like, that makes no logical sense. It was partially because it was so like, firm. It was like midnight and I was, and I was really, and I was really hungry. And it was just, I was, I was going getting, through it. I was getting upset. We that's the most, I guess like the, I think that's the most, I've, I don't think that's might be the only time I've ever yelled back at you. I was going to say, we've like, we've been friends for years and I don't think we've ever gotten like a bona fide fight that I can think of. Like one where we were yelling <laughs> at each other in the car, like while that was happening, like as like you were yelling and I was like thinking of the next thing I was going to say, I had the thought in my mind. I was like, we're not going to make a hundred episodes. Like <laughs> this, this is, is this is the end of this, this is, is the end of the podcast. I, okay. I'm going to, we're going to do a quick podcast tangent. I, we've talked about before, um, one of our good friends, Zach Winicky, who founded Night Sports Now with us, went on to work in TV. He's now in grad school at Florida state looking to get into uh, sports communications and all that good stuff. He and I, when we were in college, we did like a study abroad thing in Ireland. Like me and him went to Ireland together for a summer and it was like a really fun time. And we got in this awful, horrible shouting match where we were screaming at each other and it led with him storming out and slamming the door. And we didn't talk to each other for like a day and a half. And what that shouting match was about was whether or not Mackenzie Milton showed potential as a true freshman in 2016. Because I... I said that he showed lots of flashes of potential and you could tell he had the chance to be good. And Zach said he was an awful true freshman and no one could have predicted he would be as good as he was. And it got really, really heated. Right. You know, you you know, I agree with you because I like after his freshman year, I was like all aboard. 
I mean, I was I was like team get rid of Milton going into 17. Remember, my big take was I thought True. Dedrill would win the job and which is <laughs> like, he so was stupid years later at Rutgers. <laughs> I feel like I should be clear that like I was far from alone in that take. Like a lot of the fan base thought that that wasn't just me being crazy. And even I could admit like he showed flashes of potential. He just also looked bad at times. Anyway, that was a crazy. That was a tangent basically to say that I've gotten in like friend altering fights, friendship altering fights over UCF before. So glad we avoided that in the car. Selena won't stop barking, but what I'll, I'll try to talk over her. Um, yeah, what kind of, what that shows me is that, so you guys had an argument and didn't talk to each other for a while. You and I had this argument, like yelling at each other in the car and then we went and recorded a podcast. Like, yeah. Like 15 minutes Completely later. normal, fine. completely yeah. normal podcast. I also started like, like de-escalating. Cause I was like, I really don't want to get in a fight with Bailey. Like I like Bailey. <laughs> Zach, I'll fight with. I don't care. Um, all right. Let's jump into the football news here. Um, I think we might have referenced it on the late night podcast. And that's um, the big news last week was Blake Bortles announcing his retirement from football and the most Blake Bortles way possible. Like he was doing an interview on part of my take just and casually. casually was like, oh, yeah, I, I retired a couple months ago. And they were like, uh, what? <laughs> Excuse me. And he was like, yeah. And so like the, the big thing on like that they were joking about was like, well, would you come out of retirement for like someone offered you two years, 15 million dollars? He was like, I mean, yeah. Because no $15 million, but yeah, I mean, Blake Bortles, I think um, just obviously, obviously one of the, he's top two, top, no, top three UCF quarterback of all time. And the early years of his, his NFL career were fun. They, just they were, they, they were. I, it, it, it's weird because we've had the discussion of like, whether or not he was a bust before we talked about that. Cause Cincinnati fans like to say your top pick was a bust. And it's like, okay, I'm still picked higher than any Cincinnati player ever. And also, I don't know if he counts as a bust. He ended up as a starter for almost five years, um, gave the Jaguars their deepest play on, playoff run in basically their modern history. So he definitely didn't live up to expectations by any means. But It is weird, though, to think about because, like, just to think of Blake Bortles, not, like, coming out of college, just, like, right now, thinking back to, like, he was the third overall pick. Which, like, I, I feel like some people have forgotten that was, like, or at least as I remember it, maybe I'm wrong, like, I was stunned. Like, I did not think he, like, that was, like, a surprise that he got taken that high. I mean, he was going to go early in the first round, but to be the first, he was the first quarterback off the board, wasn't he? Yeah. And that was yeah. a shock. It was Manziel was, was the one. Yeah, the same draft as Manziel. Um, yeah, uh, I don't really remember. I just remember being happy. I don't remember if I was shocked or not, or I don't know. I remember I being really, really, I mean, I was 16, but I remember being really, really surprised. Um. I am curious, like, what does he do now? I mean, he's only 30 years old. He's got decades and decades ahead of him here. I'm really curious to see what he does. He's never struck me as someone who wants to get into coaching or it has that kind of itch. So I don't, I think I told you this last week. I don't see him as like a head coach. kind. Of, I feel like he would be the kind of guy who would like to be like a high school quarterbacks coach where he would just like hang out with the guys. That feels and like just accurate. Like yeah. Have fun and just do it as a fun thing. But I don't know. It's, it's an interesting one. Um, Next piece of news, Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark will visit UCF on um, October 26th, which is next Wednesday. That was previously supposed to happen in September, and they postponed it for mysterious reasons that are still not publicly known. Um, so, yeah, can you Terry still Mahodger, hear Terry Mahodger, did, yeah, we can, we can hear. We can hear. <laughs> Terry Mahodger did his best to try to spoil those reasons, but uh, Man, no as, as so, he yeah. loves to do. Sure does. Um, Okay, so the next thing here, UCF got a commitment from. Do you just want me to read the news? <laughs> yeah, if you want. Okay, uh, I'll take over the news while Bailey's dog has a good time. Um, let's see. Oh, and I don't even know where we were in the news. Oh, I got it. Uh, this is so weird. I'm not used to doing this, guys. Um, I'm gonna do my Bailey voice. Uh, UCF gets a commitment from three-star tight end Randy That's Pittman. Normal uh, voice. Was that not your voice? I thought that was like an announcer I don't think voice. So no, my, my an announcer. I don't know. You you have a very like smooth. We've talked about this before, like. People listen to the podcast and they're like, great podcast. Bailey's voice is great. And don't say anything about my voice because I know my voice is a train wreck. But one of our it's friends- weird. Like, I don't like my voice. Oh, you've got a great voice. One of our friends once listened to the podcast and texted us both in the same chat and said, Bailey, I wish that you would record like audiobooks or something because your voice is great and just said nothing to me. <laughs> I'm like, that's fair. That's valid. Is she that still was, barking? That was one of, yeah, that was one of the odder, she's just still barking. I don't know what's going on out there, but th that was still one of the odder compliments I think I ever got. Like, I'm thankful for it, but it was still odd. You have a very soothing voice. I feel like our listeners would agree. Let me know. Let me know if you think I have a soothing voice, I guess. I don't know if, <laughs> I want to know if you know that, if you think that, but I guess, Christian, you can go on with the news if you want. All right. So you see, I've got a commitment from a uh, three-star tight end, Randy Pittman. He's a pretty highly rated three-star. He was committed to Florida state months ago. As far as I understand, he's been a silent commit to UCF for like months. Like, I feel like we've all just kind of been waiting for him to announce. He announced on his birthday, another really big pickup for UCF. And it makes me feel good because we obviously UCF's recruiting has been going awesome, but they haven't gotten as many 
high-end recruits on the offensive side of the ball. And I'm liking to see that start to pick up a little bit too. They'll get some momentum there. So this class is just insane. I mean, it's shaping up to be so freaking strong. Yeah, no, that's crazy. Um, I'll jump in here as she's not barking right now. We'll see if she continues to go off. Um, but speaking of highly rated recruits, um, Brandon Jennings will use his red shirt and sit out for the rest of the year. It's news that we got on Monday. Yeah, he's um, had a heck of a journey. Three schools in the last like nine months. Is that right? One way. To, that's one way to say it. I don't know what is going on there. I mean, I know he's obviously not happy with where he is on UCF's depth chart and his usage, but he's yeah, but still... at what point do you get a little introspective? And I'm not trying to like trash a player by any means. You always have to do what's best for yourself. And I'm just not convinced that what he's doing is best for himself. I mean, to I I mean, you actually look at as he shouldn't have even transferred from Maryland, to be honest. I mean, he was playing a lot for a true freshman at Maryland. And then he goes to yeah. Kansas State and all word was that he just wasn't picking up the offense blah 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 he came in late didn't have a good spot transfers to UCF few games in not doing well at UCF he's out and it's like you have to give yourself a chance to grow at some point I get for some of these it's hard I, I tweeted this earlier day and replied to someone it's it's sometimes you have to like run this through the filter of like literally every single five star and high rated four star in high school each year that's a recruit they have been they're the star of their high school team they, in some situations, their team has like played on TV because just because of them, they have for years of their life, going back to middle school, been touted by their community and their general areas, like the next big thing coming out of there. And then you get to college, you're just one of a hundred guys. You're and, one of a bunch of those guys, really. Yeah. And then suddenly it, and, and that can mess with people. And, you know, I, I just, so it, it's a tough situation, but I just, I, I hope that he finds a home that he can stick with because the worst thing you can do, I mean, you're, you're, we've seen this, we talked about this the portal, like your depth chart position, unless you're a very good player, more or less resets every time you transfer and you're just not giving yourself a chance to grow. I remember when I very, very briefly back in the day covered FAU down when I was at the Sun Sentinel as an intern, Lane Kiffin kept talking about his whole thing. His whole thing was, if you stay, you play. And he tried to tell his players, like, you can get upset and transfer and that's great, but you're just, you're resetting your position to the depth chart. And I don't, I don't know. Once you're on your like fourth school, yeah. it's like, I don't know what your odds are there. Of it's like, you're, out. you're still a young player. I mean, he's what, is he a redshirt sophomore? Is he a sophomore? Yeah, this is his sophomore he's season. Got plenty of eligibility. And if, yeah, I know maybe he's not where he wants to be right now, but you kind of look into head to next year and he could be one of the guys who's starting. I don't, I don't know. It's just a, it's questionable. I don't, the other I don't thing know. Is another power five team is not going to take a flyer on him. I mean, he's, he's, he's looking he's, for his fourth school. I mean, yeah, at some point you got to look and be like, how, how marketable am I as a player as far as these coaches? Like I'm, somebody's going to take a chance, I'm sure. Somebody will always try to be the, okay, we, we can be the ones to maximize his potential. But but that runs out eventually because trans I mean, transfers aren't just like free players added to your roster. They cost a scholarship. And, yeah. and schools are, as we're moving a few more years to the transfer portal era and things are settling, settling down and we're kind of getting a sense of how things go, schools aren't just going to keep throwing scholarships at every former blue chip prospect. Well, cause are you going to want to use a scholarship, especially on, in this case, are you going to want to use a scholarship spot on somebody who may transfer in four months if he doesn't like where he is? Like it's just at some point you've got to have some patience and, and settle in where you are and, and do the work. It's just interesting. You see, I'm equipment, finding interesting. You see if equipment just tweeted out tomorrow with the rocket emoji. Ooh, so. You scared me for a second. Um, what, <laughs> I don't, or I'm not going to say what I don't understand, but what I find interesting is, um, I'm sorry, I got a DM on Twitter and read it while I was trying to talk and forgot what I was saying. <laughs> what was I just saying? Oh, yeah. What I find interesting about the transfer portal too, that doesn't bode well for players like Brandon Jennings of the future, like two, three years from now, is it seems like nationally, it's a lot more valuable to go get an FCS superstar than it is to get a blue chip who hasn't plan panned out. It seems like yeah. those guys are having a lot more success at the FBS level and at the power five level. So I find that, I mean, you look at some of the breakout stars and it's been those guys from the FCS powerhouses who move up versus the UCF you know, has four had stars with who, those guys. They are, they're having a lot of success with those guys. And we can finally actually talk about how good Kobe, Kobe Perry has been. Yeah. So yeah. I got himself a shot. Jason I Johnson, I had Brent, Bryce Armstrong last year. I mean, you're seeing a lot and that's not just a UCF thing. That's a national thing. So I don't know, but this whole flipping schools thing, it's a risk. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting thing to follow. Um, so we'll see. Um, next week's game against ECU at ECU will kick off at 7.30 on ESPNU. Stunning. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's an interesting one. Um, and then finally, this isn't really like hard, hard concrete news, but I wanted to list this because it just was interesting to me. Um, Reese Davis from College Game Day was listing his five favorite College Game Day sites, and he listed UCF at number five. So That is pretty cool. I yeah. thought his list was very interesting because it more or less directly contradicts with 
game day's actual strategy on where they I go. I think what it did was like prove that Reese Davis isn't the one picking where they get to go. <laughs> we know Reese Davis isn't the one picking. Well, yeah, I know, but it's just like it's very obvious. Like I read um Kirk Herbstreet like dropped a biography or an autobiography last year and it was actually really good. I love like, that. I'm book. like yeah. the biggest Herbstreet fan in the world. I don't hate him like some people do, but it was I really do, good I like him now. And, I mean, I, I've always pretty much liked him more or less. And after reading his book, I like him even more. I've just kind of always been indifferent towards him. Like I don't dislike him. I know you some of you see fans like hate him. And I, he was just always like whatever to me. But he talks about it partially in that book how it's like the hosts have zero point zero zero percent say over where game yeah. day goes. That's not even sort of a choice they have. But yeah. All anyway, shout out to of... Tennessee for their second game day appearance in like two and a half weeks. All that kind of did was make me like excited for whenever inevitably UCF does get to host game day again. It's just it's gonna in be two fun. weeks for the that Cincinnati was... game. That was yeah. We talked about that a little bit earlier. That was it's a joke. Against, let me make clear. Yeah, no, that I know. Yeah, I know yeah. you know, but let me just make clear that was a joke. Um, yeah, no, but it just I look back on that day, and I know part of it was because I was a student, and it was like the circumstances around it was like tip, like more or less pulled an all nighter, and in preparation for that, and it was just one of my like core memories of being in college. So that's it part of it, but cool. also it was just really cool to have game day on UCS campus. Um. Our game of the week, uh, UCF women's soccer at four, two, and four. They're two, zero, oh, and one in the AAC. They got two games this week. The one um, they play at home against Cincinnati on Thursday. That's before uh, the football game. Um, that's not the one we're listing here as game of the week, even though Cincinnati's record of five, one, and five is one of the most bizarre things I've seen. Um, Tulsa, they played at Tulsa on Sunday. Uh, Tulsa, Tulsa, seven, four, and three, two, one, and two in the AAC. They're the team that's immediately in front of UCF in the conference standings. Um, so that's a big one Sunday at 2 p.m. UCF hasn't had the most success on the road this year. Um, you know, they've been drawing a lot of games on the road. Um, so this is one that I think if they want to make a run in the conference is, I mean, it starts obviously with at home against Cincinnati on Thursday, but this one at Tulsa is a big one. So we've that, really gotten away with, just because the football season has been so up yeah. and down we've really gotten away from talking about the non-football sports and i don't love that i'd like to integrate that a little more even though not a single one of you listening agrees with that take. the new the news section's coming back okay well let's no, calm down not. that's that's our big hundredth episode announcement the news section is back <laughs> the least popular segment in the history of our had, podcast is back. i think i had somebody we, we mentioned this a couple of episodes ago i had someone respond and was like i liked it personally and i was like hey so did i but we're not bringing it back um all right let's jump into your tweet of the week before you know so we can get out of here before selena starts to bark again tweet of the week it was a collection of tweets i got shortly after the game from jj at gold rush 97 who methodically went through i got all these notifications at once and like replied to every single thing i tweeted from the first half of the game with like this aged badly or like screenshots of the scoreboard and i'm just like I'm confused because like I would I literally would tweet I'm like that wow JRP is playing badly and he's like well this age badly and I'm like no it didn't he was playing badly yeah. in the first half like I just tweeted <laughs> but my favorite one was I tweeted I'm just gonna read you the tweet I, I tweeted this I always tweet halftime takeaways at halftime and my halftime takeaways for the game was I tweeted this remember at halftime UCF was losing the offense had looked very bad and I tweeted halftime takeaways if JRP could even remotely find some consist consistency throwing the ball, then the sky would be the limit for this team. He can't keep going from awful overthrows to absolute darts drive to drive. UCF's defense is fantastic, but can only save so many games. And he replied to that with a shot of the score. And I'm like, nothing I, I said in that was false. It was just proven, proven right. Yeah, like you're proven right. Like I literally said, if JRP can play consistently well, the offense will look great. And that's exactly what happened. I just, I don't. I don't know what I'm supposed to do anymore. I feel like people just filter everything I say through this weird, like the fact that people actually tweet stuff like, oh, he hates JRP. It's like, I want nothing more than for JRP to look awesome, but I'm not going to pretend that he's better than he is. Like some of you are determined to do. It's exhausting. It's like, he has not played consistently well. He looks great. Then he looks terrible. He looks great. <laughs> then he looks terrible. And you guys, and every time he looks great, you're like, see, idiots don't know anything and then every time it looks terrible they're like well when you look more closely at the stats his 49 passing yards are actually incredibly incredibly impressive and it's just like i'm done with it guys it's like we're not cheerleaders we're here to offer analysis ucf is not a perfect program there is no yeah, perfect I mean, program if you think a 49 yard passing game is good then more power to you but we're it's not like when have we like ever right. when have we ever on this podcast tried to like make crap up or like downplay jrp playing really well like after every game he's played well we've come out and said exactly what we thought about what happened i've never come out and been like well you know, they would have beaten SMU by even more if Mikey was playing or blah, blah, blah. It's just, I, it's like, you guys learn what we're saying at some point. Like, I just, it blows my mind sometimes. But just, anyway, it, yeah, tweet of the week goes to the guy who replied to like six of my tweets with this age poorly when I was just tweeting things that were happening. <laughs> oh, gosh. 
it's just like people will pur- purposefully like they'll hear from us what they want to hear from us at times like i'm just berating our listeners now people will hear from us what they want to hear from us that's very um, much sometimes. a sports stand thing though it's just it is, everything yeah. is filtered through what you expect so it's like if you're team jrp i said this to you and i, I thought this was interesting and i, I don't know if to, like what i've noticed which i think is a really big sign of just how people just have their opinions is like I don't think anyone like JRP has had the season he's had. And I think the, like when you go on Twitter, the exact accounts that were super pro JRP in the summer are still super pro JRP. And the exact accounts that wanted Mikey or Tommy still want Mikey or Tommy. And I'm like, that just proves that everyone's just dug in. Like no one, like no one's actually looking at what's happened in the games. They're just like, no, I, this is what I believe. Like, I don't know how, like, I don't know, like the folks who are still pro Tommy never made sense to me. The folks who are still pro Mikey at this point, it's like, it's not happening guys. i you know, and after these last couple of games, why would it? It's just, no one's going to change their opinions is what I realized. So we'll just yeah. talk for a bit, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's what we'll do. Um, we'll continue to do that for another 100 episodes, probably. Well, we we'll hope. See. We'll see. We'll do Who it. Knows. That's only two more years, right? Yeah. Sure. Um, but we'll be, we will be <laughs> back. We'll be back Thursday night with episode 101. Um, we want to thank you guys so much for tuning in. This, I feel like, was so much like a classic episode. I mean, especially with the barking dog in the background. It was yeah. just what makes our podcast our podcast. I we think. had a little bit of everything in this one, it feels um, like. We really did. And I think we wouldn't have it any other way. Um, so thank you guys for sticking with us for a hundred episodes. We'll see if we're here for a hundred more. Hopefully uh, you guys continue to listen and there's Selena barking again, uh, but until Thursday night, we'll be, uh, we'll be back then. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Bailey J Adams, 22 at by CA Simmons and at night sports. Now, thank you guys so much for being with us and we'll talk to you soon. Bye everybody.